How many of you, you love Sunday lunch? You want to raise your hand? Like some, some of you, I, one of my biggest childhood memories, or my best childhood memories is Sunday lunch. So what would happen is uh, we went to church, we'd get home about one o'clock, and as soon as we get into the house, the aroma of the beef or the chicken or the lamb that was being cooked would just fill your nostrils and just send you like overdrive that you wanted to eat. Your your mouth would start watering, and uh, my mom would be cooking the Sunday lunch, uh, and uh, my mom, when she cooks Sunday lunch, she doesn't just do it like just quick, hey, eat something and then let's all go take some of the afternoon naps. No, this is like a real feast that makes you want to sleep for 10 days after, you know? I mean, it is like epic. And so my mom throughout the week, she would cook like just normal dinners throughout the week. But then when Sunday came, she would always have some incredible meat. She would always have potatoes and roast them because I love roasted potatoes. And then she would probably have about eight, eight to 10 vegetables like at the dinner table. It was like crazy. And then she would have dessert after. And I always remember that it was like a feast every single Sunday. And the fun memories I had is all of us as a family, we would sit around the dinner table and we would laugh and we would joke and we would spend time with each other while we're feasting in this feast. It was an incredible time. And uh, most of you, you like to feast. If you've ever been to Fogo de Chao, you know that that is a feast. For those of you who are poor amongst us, Fogo de Chao is basically Golden Corral with good food. So that's basically what it is. It's an incredible experience. And so if you've ever been there, you know what a feast is like. And throughout this series, we've been talking about shepherds and sheep. And did you know that sheep like to feast as well? Sheep like to feast uh, on, on green pasture and they like to feast on grass that is thick and that is full. And so often what shepherds would do through the summer months, they would prepare a pasture that, uh, that they would prepare in spring and prepare the pasture so that in the summer months that the, the, green, the grass would be green and full and full of nutrients. And so what I, often a shepherd would have to do, he would have to lead a sheep out of the home pasture and they would have to go into the wilderness and into a distant pasture for the sheep to be able to graze in. And when sheep eat, enter a new pasture that is green and is full of life, it's like they start skipping and hopping and they get all excited because it's like new grass to eat. It's like we are going to feast and we're going to enjoy the feast and delight in this feast. And in Eastern cultures and also in Africa as well, there's lots of shepherds, lots of sheep, but often the, the, the ground in which they, they would live in the sheep throughout the summer, the, 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 the heat would bear down so much that it would burn the grass up and the grass wouldn't be full. It would be very weak and thin and often there would be bare, barren spots. And so what a shepherd w- would do or what a shepherd does in, in these in eastern lands and also in Africa is they take the sheep out in the summer to what they call messes or tablelands. Some call it messes, which is a Spanish word for table. And or others call it the tablelands. And what the tablelands are, they are, they are flat lands that are found in the height of the hills. 
And, and, and the shepherds would take them because most of the grass up there throughout the summer isn't beat down as much as the grass down in, in, in the lowlands throughout the summer. And so the shepherd would go and prepare. And often what a shepherd would do throughout the spring and beginning of spring, he would leave his sheep with the hired help and he would go out into these tablelands and he would start to prepare the pasture for summer and he would prepare it so that uh, that when the summer comes the grass is full and the grass is green and it is with this in mind that David starts to write Psalm 23 verse 5 we've also we've already discovered in this psalm psalm 23 that the lord is our shepherd i have all that i need he lets me lie down in green meadows he leads me beside peaceful streams he renews my strength he leads me along the right paths according to his namesake Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. And then David writes this in verse 5. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. So David, David is thinking of summertime right now as the shepherd goes and takes the sheep into these tablelands so that they can feast. And this is the same language what David uses here to go prepare a feast for you as Jesus also uses in John chapter 14. See, the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to go and prepare a place for us. And, John, and Jesus in John chapter 14 verses 1 to 4 tells us this. Jesus telling his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way where I am going. So Jesus is saying this. He says, I am going to prepare a place for you. Did you know if you are a Christian today, if you have asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, change your life, to be Lord of your life, then the incredible truth about being a Christian is that Christ is preparing a place for you. There is a place at the table with your name on it. You're on the guest list. That's an incredible truth that you are on the guest list. You are invited to feast at the table of God because Jesus is going to prepare a place for you. In fact, Revelation chapter 19 tells us that one day in the future, there will be what they call the wedding feast of the Lamb. And what the wedding feast is, it is the feast of Jesus who is symbolized as the bridegroom and the church that is symbolized as the bride. And there is going to be this wedding of us coming together in heaven and there is going to be a feast, a wedding feast. And did you know you are going to be part of that feast? You are going to feast in heaven. And let me tell you, Fogo de Chao has nothing on the feast in heaven. The meat is going to be amazing. If you're a vegetarian, the salad bar is pretty good as well. (laughs) We are going to be part of this feast. And Jesus is going to prepare a place for you. Now that's one day in heaven. 
But why we are here on earth, why we are walking on this journey of faith, then Jesus is also daily preparing a feast for you. He is preparing a place that you can eat and you can feed on each and every day. For Christ is preparing a place for you daily to come and pasture and feed on his truth and his word. So a couple of years ago, one of the ladies that I work with, Carol, she's a wonderful lady. Uh, she uh, has had a, a pretty tough life. She's uh, had a broken marriage, and so she's a single mom and trying to take care um, of herself. And, uh, and she's been through a lot. And one day, she walked into the office, and her face was black and blue. And we looked at it and we were like, what happened? It looked like she had been in this incredible fight that she had been beaten up and she had been punched and everything. And so as she walks in, everyone's like, Carol, what happened? What happened? And with a little smirk on her face, she looked up and she says, I've had a little fight with some poison ivy. She says, that weekend, she goes, I was out in my yard, and I was doing some yard work. I wasn't wearing any gloves. And she goes, and uh, I was, didn't realize, but I was touching some poison ivy, and my face was getting all itchy. So I started, like, scratching at my face and, and touching my face. And she says, and this is the result. Her face was so blown up, her eyes she could hardly see, because the poison ivy had just covered her face. I mean, at that point, we didn't feel as bad for her. So kind of we laughed. We're like, why didn't you wear gloves? you know and so I mean when we thought she'd been beaten up we actually had a lot of compassion and sympathy but it was an incredible sight I've never seen anybody like that at all and when you're doing yard work and many of you you'll do yard work this summer and you'll know that you have to look out for the poison ivy and the poison oak and if you've got pets that there may be some plants and some flowers maybe you have in your yard that you know that if your pet goes and eats that plant or flower that they're going to get upset and their stomach's going to get upset and it's not going to be good for them well the same is true with sheep sheep just don't they want to eat anything but they can't eat anything because there are certain dangerous flowers and bushes that if sheep feed on it will cause them harm so what the, sh- what the shepherd often does as he's going to these tablelands to prepare this pasture for summer, he will go throughout the pasture and he will make sure that he starts to pull the plants and the flowers and the bushes that are going to cause harm to the sheep. He starts to weed out the dangerous flowers because he is very aware that often it is the flowers that seem most attractive that are often the most dangerous for the sheep. And the shepherd knows that in order to create a pasture that is full of life and nutrition, he has to do a lot of weeding. And this is very similar with us as well. God has created a pasture for you to feed on. It's called the truth, his truth and the word of God. It's called the word uh, that, that God gives unto us. The Bible is the place that we pasture. But we have to be very careful. Because oftentimes... There are things that may look good to eat on, but we hear these different things and often it comes in the shape of bad bad theology or false beliefs. 
And so sometimes we're hearing people and they're talking about stuff and we try to feed on it. But as we start to feed on it, this bad theology or false beliefs often cause problems. And even though they're growing in the same ground at times, when you feast on one theology, it gives you nourishment nourishment for the soul. And often the bad theology becomes poison for your soul. And we've seen even in the last few years, decades, how different theology is rising up within our culture. And people are saying, well, this is really what God meant. When for 2,000 years, Christianity has said, no, it never meant that. And people are believing it because it seems so attractive to them. And we have to be careful. Let me just, on a a side note, if you start believing in a theology that the Christian church has not believed for 2,000 years, you've got to question, is that a right theology or is that a false theology, a bad theology, a false belief? So we are to feast at the table of God. What is this table? This table is the word of God. It is the Bible. And when we, we have to make sure that we are eating from the table that God has prepared for us, not some way out wacky theologian who says, well, God really meant this. See, the Bible was written so that we could understand it. The Bible was not written so that somebody with a doctorate could unlock the keys to some secret wordage that God meant. The Bible was written so that everyday people like you and me can understand it. So we try to bring it into context and understand it. Theology is very easy to understand. You read your Bible and see what God is trying to say through that. See, we feast through the word of God because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said this when he was tempted by Satan. He said, Jesus said, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. See, food alone isn't enough for your life. Even though food may bring nourishment to your physical body, you need the word of God to bring nourishment to your soul. Then Jeremiah, Jeremiah 15 verse 16, I love what Jeremiah said. He says, God, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. See, when you start discovering that the word of God in the Bible is a place that you can feast and you can eat and you can pasture, you start to devour it because you realize the feast is an amazing feast. And so we have to be careful of the weeds and the poison ivy and the poisonous plants and the dangerous plants as we are feasting on the word of God. See, David in Psalm 23 verse 5, he says that you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And these wildflowers are enemies of sheep. Also, there's some other enemies of sheep. We dealt with one last week. These are wild animals. And, and, and wolves and coyotes and, 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 and different animals who will try to attack sheep. And we dealt with that last week where we talked about that we shall not be afraid because God's rod and his staff, they will comfort us. But another enemy of sheep are flies. Flies. 
I hate flies. If there's a fly like just flying around in the house, I will stop what I'm doing and I will go searching for that fly and I will try to kill that fly, you know, and even if it takes me an hour and a half, that fly is going to go down because I can't stand flies. And, and when you often live in, if you live in environments where there are a lot of flies, then it can be terrible. So in the Eastern cultures, they would often live in places where flies were around and flies were abundant. And these became an enemy of sheep. They became an annoyance of sheep. One particular fly, it's called the nose fly. Listen to this, what the nose fly does to sheep. It says, these flies buzz around the sheep's head, attempting to deposit their eggs on the damp mucous membranes of the sheep's nose. If they are successful, the eggs will hatch and form into worms, like larvae. They work their way up the nasal passages into the sheep's head, bury into the flesh, and there set up intense irritation accompanied by severe inflammation. That is why we search down the flies and we kill the flies. Who wants to be around a nose fly? And this is common for sheep. See, what happened with sheep, they would, they would be around places and the flies would go around and, and the flies would get in, they would lay their eggs, it would cause this irritation and, and this discomfort. And so what the sheep would do, their, their head would start to be burning. And so to get relief, sheep would start to bang their head against trees and rocks. They rubbed them against the hard soil to get relief, which would often cause cuts and lead to infection. Some sheep in severe cases have even been blinded because of nose flies. Who would have thought just a little fly just flying around could cause that much damage? But yet it can. These flies, they agitate the sheep. And when sheep are agitated, sheep do not want to eat. And so when sheep do not want to eat, they start to lose strength. And when they lose strength, then they start to open themselves up to infection and diseases, all because of a little nose fly just flying around their head. And this is just like us when it comes to the word of God. We can be so excited about God, so excited about worshipping God, so excited about reading our Bible or praying or or, or doing good things for the Lord. And and we're doing it and we're eating uh, at the table that God has prepared for us and we think life is great. And then suddenly the flies of life, the distractions, the irritants, they start coming and gnawing and biting and flying and they take our focus away from God and we stop enjoying the feast that God has put before us, that God has prepared for us because these things become so annoying. So shepherds know this. Shepherds know this. So what shepherds learned a long, long time ago was that there could be a remedy for these flies. And so what sheep, shepherds do, especially in the Eastern cultures, they create an oil kind of remedy that they would rub on the sheep's 
head. In fact, in places where there were lots of flies, a lot of shepherds, they would dig ditches in the ground. They would fill them with this oil and they would, they would call it the sheep dip. And they would take the sheep one by one and they would lead the sheep and they would like dunk them in this dip. They would like baptize them in this oily substance. And the hardest part of all was to get the sheep to put his head under the water. But the reason they did this is because the flies don't like the oil. The flies can't take it when, when, when they come and the, the oil is there. And they start to move away from the sheep. And David makes this incredible statement in Psalm 23 verse 5. It says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And he says this. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. He's basically saying this. He says, God has got a remedy for the flies. God has got a remedy for these things that are distracting you, annoying you, and biting you, and causing irritation. There is an oil that is a fly repellent for you. See, years ago, they used olive oil for everything. These days, they have other remedies. They put other spices in there. But there's remedies. Many of you this summer, even tomorrow, you're probably going to be outside. And you, you may be on your deck. You may be grilling. You may be on your patio or your porch. Or for those crazy people this summer, you may even go camping. And one of the biggest problems being outside at night is mosquitoes. This is what I'm like when I'm outside. I look like some like third baseline coach or something, you know, like constantly because they're irritating. And so what do we do? We put up candles that have this scent or we spray ourselves with that nasty sticky spray so that the mosquitoes can move away so that we can sit there in peace and enjoy our time outside. And did you know that that is just like the remedy that God has for us for the irritants? Of this life. See, oil is very significant in the Bible. Oil has been used for centuries for all different part, types of purposes. But oil in the Bible, whenever you see it, it refers to this it refers to the Spirit of God. It symbolizes the Spirit of God. We know as the Holy Spirit. Matthew 25 tells us of a parable of the ten virgins who are waiting for the bridegroom to return. For the wedding. And, and five of them had enough oil to last through the night. Five of them didn't have enough oil to light the fire so that they could see. It was referring to the Spirit of God. Isaiah speaks of Jesus as the anointed one. The one covered with oil. 1 John tells us that we as believers, we have the oil of the anointing from the Holy One. That's what 1 John tells us, that we have what they call, the King James Version says, the anointing from the Holy One or an anointing from the Holy One. See, anointing with oil in the Bible had two purposes. First one was power. Whenever you saw people being anointed with oil, it often meant power. So when David was a shepherd boy and Samuel came to his house to anoint him as king of Israel, Samuel anointed his head with oil to show a transfer of power that he would be the king. 
The other reason for oil in the Bible was a symbol of ointment or healing. It would be given so that, you, that it could soothe wounds and heals. It was a very expensive substance because of its healing work that it could do. And this is just what the Holy Spirit does for us. He covers our head with oil to fly, fight off the flies of life. Isaiah calls it the oil of gladness because it's a joyful oil. It means you can be joyful and happy when the oil of God is on your head. See, for it's the Holy Spirit that clears your minds. The Holy Spirit that gives relief. It's the Holy Spirit that heals from disease and infection. There was another reason for oil as well. In the fall, it was mating season. Good job the middle schoolers aren't here, right? Because their ears would have poked up right away. But in the fall, it's mating season. And do you know what rams do in mating season? They fight to try to show the ewes that they are the strongest. Aren't guys crazy? Why do we do stuff like that, right? I'm sure the ewes would have just wanted like flowers or something. But no, we, we, we want to show them how strong we are. So what the, the rams would do, they would get together and they would fight. And the way that rams fight is they butt heads. And often what happens when they butt heads, if one is diseased, it would, that disease would transfer to another. So there's a bad disease that happens with sheep. And a shepherd has to be very careful that his sheep does not have it. It's called scab. And what scab would do, scab would, would, would form in the head and it would, it would cause the sheep to be diseased. And the way it was spread was head-to-head contact. And so if one ram had scab, he would start to butt heads with another ram. And that scab would spread and disease would spread throughout the whole herd of sheep in a short period of time. And so the shepherd would apply oil to the ram's head. And it would cause the, the ram, when they butted heads, that the disease wouldn't spread. Also, the rams would like slide off each other. So they would like look foolish. And it's actually real that this happens. They look foolish. And if a ram looks foolish, he doesn't want to fight anymore. And it starts to bring harmony amongst the sheep. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. As Christians, there's times we fight. There's times we disagree. Why? Because we're human. But the Holy Spirit, when he anoints us with oil, comes with oil, it stops the internal fighting. It brings peace and harmony and reconciliation. I've seen far too many church splits for my liking. But when the Holy Spirit is present, it brings harmony. See, when the Holy Spirit is around... We are able to feast at the table God has prepared for us. It is a feast of delight. It is a Joyce Pendock Sunday lunch. We become full and start to see life through the Holy Spirit. And when we start to see life through the Holy Spirit, we start to see the blessings that God has given us. And David says, my cup, it overflows with blessings. Because when you're living in the Holy Spirit, you start to see that the shepherd has blessed you so much. Romans 
15, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's my prayer today, that you will be filled with the joy and the hope of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will overflow in your life. The oil that the shepherds would apply to sheep would often go dry. Applying oil once a year wasn't enough for the sheep. So a shepherd would regularly, at regular intervals, take his sheep through the dip again. And that's the same for us. See, many of us, we've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of us. And we think that's enough. But the reality, it's not. Because God has more for you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't a one-time act, a one-time thing that we just happen to have. But the Holy Spirit comes in fresh waves again and again. In theology, it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some people believe in it, some people don't. But when you start to understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, all it is is God is taking you through that dip again. And he's infilling you again with the Holy Spirit. See, it is only when we continually seek the oil of the Spirit of God that we can continually feast at the table of God. And I'm going to close with this. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Paul says this to the Ephesians. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with with the Holy Spirit. The language Paul here uses here is not past tense. It's not you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. It is present tense, it is future tense. It is a continually filling of the Holy Spirit. And in your life, you need the Holy Spirit every day. Do you know why? Because the flies of life are bugging you. Because they come and they bite at you and they distract you and they agitate you and all in a purpose to lead you away from Christ. Why? Because together we cannot bring harmony at times together, but the Holy Spirit can. We need the Holy Spirit because as we're feasting on the Bible, we need to know what is truth and what is not truth. We need to know, okay, that person is saying that the Bible says this, but is that really true or not? And that is what the Holy Spirit does to us. So what you have on your chairs right now, you have a tiny little bottle that we filled with some olive oil. This is for you. And there's two purposes why we've given you this today. The first one is, I want you to keep it. Keep it in your purse, keep it in your car. Keep it at your bedside table. If you have a prayer room or a place you go pray, go place it there. To remind you that you need to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. To remind you that you continually need God to anoint your head with oil. 
Because let me tell you, you cannot do this journey of faith without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So let this be a reminder to you. But today, it's why we finish. It's another purpose why I've given you these today. We're going to use it as a symbol to ask God to fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit today. To anoint our heads with oil once again. So what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment. We're going to stand to our feet. I'm going to ask you to open it. Don't spill it on the chairs. I'm going to ask you to open it. And just put your finger over there. And just put a tiny little bit on your finger. And we're going to pray. And if you want the Holy Spirit today. If you want the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And some of you, you may not even be sure. Okay, Alex, what, what, what is going on here today? All we're doing is asking God to fill us again with his Spirit. I want you to pray. Fill me today, God, with your Spirit. So that I can know your truth. Fill me again with your Spirit so that I can focus on what is important in life, and that is you. Fill me with your Spirit so I can feast at your table. Fill me with your Spirit so that I can live in harmony with my brother and sister. Fill me with your Spirit so that I can run in this journey of faith without letting up. Let that be your prayer today. And what we're going to do to symbolize the oil of God, that God comes and pours on our head. All I'm going to ask you to do is something very simple. Just take that oil of oil, put it on your head, put it on your forehead. If you've got some scab, put it on some scab. And as you do that, pray and ask God to fill you with your spirit. So I'm going to ask you to stand today.